At the Table with Darlene. Hi, this is Chris from At the Table with Darlene, and I just want to thank you, first of all, for taking the time and uh, listening to our podcast. This week's going to be a little bit different um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, Darlene is busy with the Women's Conference, and we weren't able to get time to actually sit down and record. But secondly, we both felt like this uh, message that she taught um, last week was really valuable and something that's very important for where we're at right now. Um, It's about families and keeping a connection with that family. So uh, please take the time and listen to this, and I hope it blesses you. Thank you, and have a great week. I so appreciate all of you being here. I appreciate what God is doing, what God is saying, and uh, I really think... uh, our Sarah for setting this up today because this is what we're doing. We're talking about the family and building strong families. It's so important that we do that. And you know, we the buzzword that goes around all the time, you know, in the last few years is connecting. Well, what connecting means is that people need community. And that's what it that's what we're talking about because it's always been God's plan from the beginning for us to connect, for husbands and wives to connect, for children to connect in their homes and for people to connect with those they come in contact with, your neighbors and those at work and and sometimes you know, we like to be standoffish and we like to do our own selfish little thing. We're all guilty of that one. And it's okay to like yourself and it's okay to like some time by yourself. But God did not make us to live on an island by ourselves, because just like the lesson that went forth today, by yourself, the enemy can get an inroad awfully quick into your life. But when you have the agreement of someone, it's amazing what can happen. And we see what can happen in the negative When people get in agreement, we see, look around our world today, what they're doing, burning cities and what, what that agreement, that, that anger and all that's going forth. And, uh, I understand anger. I understand that we're all disappointed in the life that was lost, but the excuse of using something that has nothing to do with it, the anger that's going on, there's been a breakdown somewhere in life with every individual that is into something that is mischief, there is something somewhere where there has been a breakdown in their life. And we're going to talk about that today. What does it take to make us a strong people, a strong family unit, a strong church? What does it take to have a strong community that we live in and keep reaching as far as we can? Because that's God's plan. It was his idea, God's idea, Uh, to fellowship with mankind, and for mankind to fellowship one with another. And it's also the strategy of the devil to divide and to isolate. And uh, we've been in isolation of such. That was never God's plan for mankind to have to be in isolation. It is the plan of God for us to live together and to get along together and to watch things in our lives grow for him. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about as a church, we should hook up with this series because see your families is the most important thing in your life. Your natural family is so important. Those people that you live with, it's good to like them. And it's 
You know, because we say, I love you, but I don't like you. Well, that's how you feel sometimes. But the truth is you need to learn to like them. And you won't learn to like them until you learn to like yourself. Because we sometimes, we see our faults and we see our failures. But we have opportunity with God constantly to change. And God wants to bring back the dignity of the home. Because we all have experienced dysfunction. You know, I don't think there is a family that doesn't have some dysfunction in it. We're all a little dysfunctional. and uh, But I also believe that the home is a place that is to be stabilized in love and in peace and to be a happy home. And that is God's plan. But also, we see so many homes, we see it where there is a core of rejection and it is it is bringing rebellion in the homes. Why are we seeing what's going out there in the nation where someone can just consciously go in and tear up someone's store, someone's livelihood, when they've already been suffering from a quarantine, and they can go in there and steal and take out of that? Somewhere there is a core of rejection within this person that doesn't understand how God loves them. Someone failed somewhere to teach them the love of God and acceptance of God, and it starts in the home. And Matthew chapter 13, if you read it, it talks about the soil of a heart because we all have a heart that can be planted in. I love it when pastor does uh, baby dedications. He always talks about how the baby, how that little soul is so impressionable that you as a parent, you begin to write on that soul. You begin to share with that child the things that's around them. And the greatest thing you can do is share the love of Jesus with that child, telling that child that Jesus loves them, that Jesus thinks they are absolutely beautiful, that they are a creation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you as a parent, you get to tell them how much you love them, how precious they are, how they came into your life and changed your world. And then as they get one, two, two years old and supposedly the terrible twos, even though you may have to swat the little behind a little bit, you continue to tell them how precious they are, how beautiful they are. The soul is a place, it's a garden. And that's where we plant the love of Jesus Christ into them. And so as parents and grandparents, are we causing hard soul into our children's heart where they won't receive? And if we're doing that, that's where rebellion sets in. We want to keep that watered, the soul watered with the love of Jesus Christ going into them. So that, and we're cultivating the soil of the word of God. And that way we won't cultivate the hardness of their hearts by having a chaotic home. And I thought well ago, Sarah did such a great job of showing you what a home is supposed to be like. And we can only ask ourselves, what, how are we acting and reacting? You know, we, we sit at the dinner table together and we're going to get in that to, to, in just a moment. But how are we acting and reacting to each other? Because it is not the church who is the basis of society. In fact, some people believe that. That it's the church that's supposed to make everybody okay. No, that's not where it is. The home is the basis of society. And there's a lot of dysfunctional homes. I understand we've had 
dysfunctional homes. All of us has had that. But you know what? It's not too late to change it around. It doesn't matter how old we are. We can do better today and tomorrow than we've done yesterday. Amen? When we build up our home, we're building up the human heart. Too long, we've been teaching our children that it's okay to be dishonoring. Pastor preached a few, uh, two or three weeks ago on honor. And how do we teach our children that it's okay to be dishonored? Well, you talk about other people. You're judgmental. We're judgmental. We're harsh to them. We talk about their teachers. We talk about the policemen. We talk about the sheriff. We talk about the doctors that we don't like. We talk about whatever garbage we happen to think about. We spit it out of our mouth. And we, we're condescending. Then we can't believe that they would talk back condescending to us. What's wrong with you little brat? You know, after all, you should be respecting me. What are they hearing from you? We, as adults, we should be planting into that soil goodness, gentleness, joy, love, mercy. We should be putting it in. We have to share that in their heart. Every one of you that's listening to me today, uh, wherever you're listening from, you are very unique. God made each one of us so unique. All women are not alike. All men are not alike. All children are not alike. Well, yeah, we can say amen to that because the man over here might have a head full of hair. Somebody over here might be a little bald on top. Some women may be blonde. Some may be red. Some may, I don't know, whatever colors. I have three or four or whatever plus gray down there somewhere. But, but you know, we... We, we're all different, and that's okay. God made us unique, but we still share one thing in common. We all need to connect. You can go ahead and lie to yourself and say you don't need anybody. You can make it on your own, but go on, sir or ma'am, and live on that island by yourself, and all you have is a volleyball. You're going to get really, really lonely. Amen? You're going to be calling it by name. That's right, Wilson. Amen. But in all of our searching, we are missing an, an ingredient that is so important. Because people are lonely. Children are lonely. And that filters into every area of our life. God wants to connect with us, and he wants us to connect with others. And so we can all say, okay, I agree. Yeah, most of you can say, yes, we do. We need more connecting to people around us. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to talk just a little bit about a biblical principle that some of you, you may already be involved in this. In fact, you may have this so mastered that you can just say loud amens to everybody that doesn't have it mastered today. But when we go back in the Word of God, we'll find out that when the Lord wanted to build a nation, when he wanted to build a nation, he gathered his people around his presence, the glory presence of the table of showbread. That's how he brought people together. And God, that's what God uses to build families today, to strengthen love and to shapen our character. Because if anything can shapen your character, mom and dad, it's your two and three-year-old, right? And then you get it shapened again when they get about 10 and 11 years old. And then when they get 14, 15, and 16 years old, they you really get reshapened again. See, children are for your benefit, parents. They're to help you change constantly. They're to help you grow up. If you don't have any children around, to help you not be selfish, then poor little selfish you. It's good preaching. 
Because children will teach us more than anybody else about ourselves. They'll teach us just how greedy we are and how, how selfish we are and, and so on and so forth. And, but they'll also try our patience. And the Word of God said, let patience have its perfect work. You know what to do it more than anything? Oh, it's that child. Isn't God good? I mean, he just trains us all the time. He loves the family, and we need to be hooked. If you want to grow, get hooked to a family. Get hooked to, you know, have your own family, but get hooked to another family because it grows us. Divorce rate is so high in our land. It doesn't matter whether you're in the church or out of the church. It's the same because the devil loves division. He loves to bring us into that place where, like Sister Sarah said a while ago, I just want to snap. I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with it. I'm out of here. Uh, we can run all of our life and never get away from ourselves, so you might as well get in agreement with that mate and, and agreement with that family and get that cord uh, and get put Jesus in the middle of it and get something that's strong in your life. And too many times we overlook a crack that is festered and festered and you get ready like the Columbia spaceship did, uh, did and they, they took off and when they did it broke apart and it was one little missing O-ring, one little thing that was missing. What is it that's missing in our homes? Just one little thing that would keep us from being a home victorious that people would see see Jesus shining when they walked into your house. The peace of God was in your house. It was flowing and they want what you got. Or do they come to your house and all they hear is you putting down each other, fighting over the kids, fighting over something. Don't you love these kind of messages? Aren't they so good? They're so good for your soul because they make us stop and think, hmm, who am I? What am I doing? What are we doing? Okay. I'll quit meddling and use a little word God here. Uh, Exodus 25, 23 just says, here's a command of the Lord. Make a table of acacia wood. Now I'm going to do a few scriptures here real quickly uh, because I got a lot of notes and I know I'm not going to get through them. Probably not. But uh, this new time thing is really interesting. But anyway, I'm going to get some scriptures for a foundation. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the table in your home. But Exodus 25, 30 says, put the bread of presence on the table before me at all times. And I want you to remember the scripture, put the bread of his presence at the table at all times. Okay, family, we got to get to a table. We need to learn to eat together. We need to learn to sit together. We need to learn to take some time together, put our, our, our uh, phones up, leave them in the other room. We need to spend at some table table time, and let the presence of God be included. We pray a quick prayer. Jesus bless us food. Amen. We don't even pray that one serious. We're not really thankful. We do it because it's religious and because it's expected. But how about we pray and invite the presence of God at our dinner table? We need to learn to take time and let the presence of God, that three cord not breaking, will stop the divorce talk. It will stop fighting with the kids because we're learning to honor and respect each other. 2 Samuel 9 and 7 says, you shall eat at my table regularly. My goodness, if we could get a mind shift here and we could go to the table with someone we love, we could sit at the table with the presence of God and we can do it regularly. We sit and we eat with our loved ones and we eat in the presence of the almighty God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? 
Psalm 128.3, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in your house, your children like olive plants around your table. We should be training our children and grandchildren in a way that they are olive branch and olive plants, uh, an olive tree cannot be just blown over by a wind because it's a strong, strong branch. And you ought to be able to look around your table and you see that beautiful wife and you see your children as olive plants around your table. Look what God's doing in my family. That's what he's wanting us to build is strong families. Go, let's get into the New Testament for a few scriptures here. Mark 20, Matthew 26, 20. When evening come, now this is what Jesus did. He was reclining at the table with his 12 disciples. He was just hanging out. Man, he was just, they were there. They came out for dinner. They're having dinner together with his friends. There's nothing any better, no more enjoyable than when you have some friends over for dinner. Put Jesus in the middle of your dinner. Take some time and make sure that he's there. And then your friends are going to have a good time. There's going to be peace in that time. Uh, Mark 16, 14. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. This means afterward. Uh, Luke 22, 29, and 30. Just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom. So he's made his promises. The tables was derived in the Old Testament. It has gone all the way through into the New Testament, and it is still alive and well today. Uh, We'll find many important events, if you would go back looking through the Word of God, that happened around the table. I believe with all of my heart that America cannot be, be defeated because of, of, of lack of military or lack of political strength. Well, right now we could question that one, couldn't we? But, but it can happen because we stop paying attention to the value of a strong, healthy, and moral home. Because that is what changes society. Home is not just a physical structure. It really doesn't matter what your home looks like. But it's, it's something that was designed by God to be a central part of our lives. It's supposed to be a place where we nurture each other. It's supposed to be a place where we build healthy relationships. Maybe we spend more time on our job doing our work. And like Sister Sarah said so well a while ago, mom's irritated at the end of the day. Dad's tired. He deserves some rest. And, and uh, Junior is just upset because mom and dad just will not stop. And everything he does is just not right. It's a dysfunctional family. And God is saying, Okay, here we are. 2020, we see a lot of things going on around us. A lot of things that are not right. What can we do to make things right? How about we start in our home? How about we make some changes? Turn some things around. Because if we can learn to laugh together and grow together and make our society inside of our house to begin to form in a better way, it doesn't matter whether you live in a tent, a mansion, or, or a dwelling, whatever it is, Whatever kind it is, let it be called a place that you spend time together, a safe place, because home is where the heart is formed. Isn't that interesting? And that's why some hearts are not formed, because maybe they didn't have a home. They, they lived, as, you know, a lot of children have lived in uh, 
And we, we thank God that there's been places, orphanages and places for them to live. But maybe no one took the time to tell them how special they are. But that doesn't excuse us from doing what we can to make our children feel like they love. Because hearts can be made hard or they, they can be hurt because of situations or we can nurture them and help that brokenness. They, because we've all been broken in some way. Every person has been broken. But the healing power of Jesus Christ presented at our tables and loving on each other can change who we are as a church. Change who we are as a family and as a nation. Research has found out that families who do not take time to spend together in their home will begin to crumble. Their foundation will begin to crumble. So now we're going to take it to a literal home. And we're going to say, let's learn to set the table again at our households. And I said this in the first service. Pastor and I, we're very guilty uh, of uh, setting up the TV tray, grabbing something on the way home, and, and setting up the TV tray. And sitting, what do we do? What do y'all do? Anybody else ever set up the TV tray? Watch TV. How many of you would say that you do that more than you should? We got any honest people here? Yeah, a lot of people. But then there are some that still sit at the table. Can I just challenge you to sit at the table more than you did last week? Sit at the table, make it a priority that we're going to start sitting at the table. We're going to leave our cell phones in the other room and we will answer those calls when dinner is over. We're going to make some time to look at each other. It's interesting that we do that, that we, it's interesting that how we have distanced ourselves from really talking to each other. And we need to learn to talk again. Some people may say, I don't know what to do. Well, we need to, you know what? You can find family starters. There's ways to find how to start a conversation with my kids. How can I do that? Let's find some ways to learn how to start a conversation with your children at the dinner table and with each other and make it a place where at the center we have God, that we are serving him with our body, soul, and spirit. And God shows up in his word, and it is still for modern-day Christians. It is still for us. The table still represents something very, very important. When Jesus would want to minister to his disciples, he imparted so many things and his followers that sat around and, and uh, at that table. The Luke Luke, the gospel, gospel of Luke tells us of 10 milestones of the life of Christ. And each one of those take place at the meal. And it's interesting what can happen at a table. Yeah, I know that, uh, well, I, the child, I don't think he had a name. He can spill the milk. Now, we can either, isn't it interesting? Now, milk is just milk, Right? It may run down on the floor. It may even make a puddle. But do you know what? It really can be cleaned up. I mean, it really can be cleaned up. But do you know when you yell and scream at your child because they knocked something over and you made them feel bad and the hurt that you put inside of their little heart is hard to repair. When all you got to do is say, oh, I know you didn't mean to do that. And even if he did, you know, he's two, three years old. He likes to throw things. 
But if we quit making such big deals over spilt milk, and that's just an example, then our children could enjoy dinner time. But if it's a fight at the dinner table, they're not going to enjoy this. These teachings that we're going to be doing in these next few weeks, it's practical, everyday living teaching. Because we, as a church, need to change some things so we can have some happy homes, right? We want our, our, our relationships to be healthy. Jesus enjoyed uh, being surrounded with loved ones. And as you notice, I don't think there ever in the New Testament did he turn down a dinner invitation. You know, come on over to my house for tea. He went, you know. I, I, mean, I mean, Jesus just went. He fellowshiped. And he talked and, and, he, and he shared. He modeled truth to us and gratitude. And he modeled serving and he modeled forgiveness in his life. And no one was ex- excluded at, his, at the Last Supper. Even Judas, who was going to betray him. And he even knew that Judas was the betrayer. He didn't say, Judas, you can't come. He still went ahead and invited his disciples. And he ate dinner with him. And we need to get to the place where we let things go and not be so hard on people. We hardened our own heart. And when your heart is hard, there can't be anything but hardness come out. And if there's a lot of hardness coming out of your, out of your mouth, it's obviously come out of your heart. And it's time for us to ask the Spirit of God to come to our table. And let, it's a good place to start. Because see, a table could be one of the happiest places in the world. Why do you invite somebody to go out to dinner with you when you're dating? Because you want to talk to them, right? Why would you do that? I mean, you know, boys and girls, they want to go out on a date. Even couples. You know, Daryl and I like to go out on dates. Why do we do that? Because we want to sit and talk. We want to be together. There's something about that. There's something about the table. But yet, the enemy will silently come in and take that table experience away from us. We need to get back to the table. Husbands and wives, you need to date again at the table. And then you need a little one to disrupt you. And so you can learn to be patient. So you can grow and be kind and not get old and be so hard and crusty. No one wants to be in the room with you because you stink. (laughs) Amen? You know, be a crabby old man, crabby old lady. All you do is gripe and grumble and your face is so set into that that everybody knows you're going to snarl when you talk. Is that who we want to be? I don't think so. I'm going to have to stop soon because we're about out of time. But I believe that God is setting up his table for you and I. And he wants us, he says, come, I want you to sit at my table. I want you to sit at my, in my presence. You know, we took communion earlier. And we, that's a symbol of receiving what he's done for us at the table with Jesus. And we need to sit at the table with our families. Make a time where you're sitting at least once a week. At least maybe then get to once a day. Let's do it more and more. Let's fellowship more and more as the time goes by. We have to learn how to do it. Because throughout scripture, God has put dignity and sanctity on the institution of the home. 
He established the first family in the garden, and we all know that. And he gave them instruction about his design. He had a design already set up before giving the law and before sending uh, his son to the cross. He had a plan because he knew that the heart was going to be formed in the home. And we see that to the good and to the bad. It is formed in the home. Often, we are spending too much time. We're spending time with our family, we think, because we're taking them to the ball game practice. And I'm not against that. But I'm saying, well, they'll be out there, and they'll be working and playing. They'll have everybody around them. That's a good thing. And you might yell and not agree with the, with the refs, and we might put our time in. And, you know, as grandparents, we've done that. We, our kids, we went to games and so on. And that's all a good thing. But if there's nothing besides activity, if there's not personal time in your home, your children don't know who you really are. They only see you as that yelling fool out there on, on, sitting in the bleachers. That's it. Or they see you at the time where you're just yelling about everything. But they need to know that you're more than a yeller. They need to know that you genuinely love them and you care. And that you're listening to them. They have some good things to say to you. And you don't want to be bothered because you're selfish. We've all been there. We've all been that person. Where I don't have time. Wait, wait, wait. I'm doing something else. Wait. And then we, they, we never, they never get to speak to us. And then we wonder why they don't want to be around us anymore. Our dinner table is the only place where a family can sit 42 inches apart face to face and talk 30, 30 minutes to an hour. Isn't that something to think about? And so why would we waste that time arguing? Why would we waste that time being critical and hateful and talking about things that we shouldn't be talking about. Spitting and spewing venom at each other. Kids don't want to come to that kind of table. And if they don't want to come to that kind of table, they won't want to come to this kind of table where we're feeding the word of God to you. We need to serve good food at home. We need to, with that Good food, we need to serve good fellowship at home. We need to make family bonds. And then we need to make our table big enough that we can invite somebody else to come and share with us. Give the invitation because Jesus is giving us an invitation. As our worship team comes, Revelation 3.20, Jesus gives us this invitation. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in to him and I will dine with him. He's saying, I will have dinner with you. I want to be at your table and I want you to be at my table. Makes an invitation to us. See, I don't care how many times, how old you are, how many years you've been married, how many children you've had, how many grandchildren you've had. But we all can change and do better. Because these little guys that's around us, you may be the only Jesus that they get to hear because school doesn't have much Jesus for them. Anywhere else in the world that they go, if your family and if your home is not a safe place, and if it's a place of turmoil, shame on you if you've got God in your, ha- in your heart. Don't be a grumpy old man and a grumpy old woman. Don't be that. Do you want your children, your grandchildren, the children around you that remember you? What do you want them to remember you for? 
you want them to remember that you love Jesus and you love them. And you knew Jesus. They knew Jesus loved them because you showed them that. Because of the love that you have. Lots of notes and no time. Psalm 23 says that he prepares a table for us in the presence of his enemies. A table, a place where we can come and we can eat of the meat of his word. When I'm surrounded by the enemy, I have choices. I can remember that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son for me. So therefore, I received him and I don't have to perish. I can sit around the table in the presence of my enemy and remember the word of God that says, fear not for I will be with you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I will harden you and strengthen you for difficulties. And when you look around, the enemy that has been sitting around you will no longer be present. See, I can, in the presence of my enemies, I can sit at the table of God and remember his word and speak it out of my mouth. Take it in and dine on that. Invitation always to dine on the word of God. That's the invitation we have. And in our homes, building strong families, we can sit at the table with our, with our little ones that's gonna knock things over Things are not going to be perfect. They're going to talk real loud. You're going to say, please close your mouth when you chew. That doesn't look good. And you may tell them for three or four times. Or you say, please sit down. Uh, That's like the fifth time I told you to sit in your chair. But please sit down. Then you try to distract them. But those are precious, precious moments. Building each other up. Are you tearing down that one that loves you? Or are you building them up? Husbands, wives, moms, dads, siblings. It goes up and down, sideways. What are we doing with our opportunities to help change our world and the world around us? We have a choice on how we act and react. Would you invite His presence to your table? Would you make it a number one priority? to invite his presence. I'm not just thanking you for the food, but I want you, Holy Spirit, to show up and be here with me, with us at this table, so that we can be the family that you created us to be. Would you stand to your feet? If there's anybody here in the house that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we don't want to stop this without you having the opportunity to ask Jesus in your heart. And if you're listening by Facebook, we also want you to have an opportunity to receive Jesus. And I believe, I really believe the word and just how simple it is. It is when he says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, And that he died for your sins. If you believe that, and you will confess your sins, that he will come in. He will cleanse you and make you whole. 
then you can say, I am a child of God. So if you're out there, you're sitting in this audience today and you'd never asked Jesus into your life, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me for my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I believe that you are sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me. And I receive you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Then the other thing I want to do is I'm going to just ask you to put your hand on your own heart. And I just want us to pray together. I'll pray and you can agree. You can repeat whatever you want. But Father God, I'm asking you today to help me to be more committed to my family, to my husband or my wife. I want to be more considerate of my children and grandchildren. I want to be the man, the woman that you called me to be. I want you to sit at our table. I want your presence to always be welcome. Forgive me for my actions, my attitudes, and help me to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Together, let's sing before we leave. Love you guys.